Hey friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we're talking about the first season finale of Buffy, Prophecy Girl. And we've done it. We've made it to the last episode yep. of season one. <laughs> I know. It feels like such an accomplishment. Like it is. we've just been working really hard on this season. And I don't know, we've definitely had a lot of bumps and kinks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like very rewarding to kind of reach the end of the first season and mm-hmm. feel like we at least accomplished something. We'll definitely have some things to improve on in the second season but I don't know I feel like we've really improved and I don't know it's just very rewarding yeah and here's to having less re-records and late nights in season two (laughs) at least we don't have to do any more teachers pet I think that's the biggest accomplishment of season one (laughs) seriously no and you know what I feel like I learned so much from season one going back and analyzing it. I think that there is a lot that I didn't catch in previous watches because I tend to gloss over season one, but it really is foundational to Mm -hmm. the rest of the show. That being said, I'm really excited to move into season two after this And it's also different when you kind of have rewired your brain to look for things differently than just watching it. Yeah, um, I picked up a lot more things Mm -hmm. this time watching it through than I have in the past just because I was actually like actively looking for them and stuff and i think that it really changes how you view the show in a positive way yeah absolutely um before we go we have a few housekeeping things to say so as always this is the spoiler free section of uh, becoming buffy we will have a spoiler section at the very end called scooby secrets don't worry we will make it very clear that we are starting the spoiler section so if you have not watched the show or you don't want to know spoilers or anything um what what we were going into right now is spoiler free so don't worry about that um and then you can also find us on instagram at becoming buffy podcast and email us becoming buffy podcast at gmail.com and you're really going to want to check those out this week because we have a giveaway Woo-hoo. oh and it's actually really kind of cool like i'm kind of jealous i know i know if I no one participated it. sarah told me she was like you can take this yeah and Leah's well like, no she <laughs> said we get to <laughs> you take one i take the other so part of me was kind of hoping no one participated and but i'm very happy for the sweatshirt yeah, <laughs> yeah. But seriously, though, check out our Instagram. Again, that's Becoming Buffy Podcast. We have a giveaway. It's open until next week. Um, So you have a whole week to enter and tag as many friends as you want. Yeah, check it out. It's some good stuff. And we're going to be having giveaways periodically there. So you'll Mm -hmm. always want to maybe follow us there. Just maybe. We also have some really good like posts every week where we have discussion questions and stuff. And we haven't really talked about our Instagram a whole lot on here, but I think that it's somewhere that we're starting to develop a really fun community and friendships with people. So that's been really exciting. And then the second thing that I wanted to talk about was next week, we're going to be having my friend Liz Kenny on and Liz is an English teacher. So she knows a lot about Shakespeare and she's really analytical and she's never seen books. Buffy before, which I'm excited for. So she's actually watching through the show with us season by season. So she's finished up season one and she's going to be recording a questionnaire type 
I guess that's what, what would you call a questionnaire? Question and answer. I don't know. Q and a recap. Q and A. A Q and A. Yeah, Q and A. <laughs> a question recap. and answer. <laughs> like, what, there's a simpler word for this. She's gonna. We're gonna be recording a special episode with her where we kind of say, "Hey, like, what was your first impression of Buffy? You've never heard." And of she's this show heard before. no spoilers too. Yeah. yeah. So she's literally only watched up until Prophecy Girl. Yeah. So we're just gonna kind of like dig deep into be like, okay, like, what did you like? What did you didn't yeah. like? Where do you think the characters are gonna go? Yes. What do you think Joss is gonna do with them? Mm-hmm. Some and predictions. If there's any of you guys who are first-time uh, watchers as well, we would like to hear questions from you. So go ahead and DM yes. us on Instagram if you have any questions. And if we, you know, get a couple that we really like, we might even bring them up on the Q&A yeah, with totally. Liz. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think we all can agree that one of the best things about Buffy is showing it to new people who have absolutely no clue about yeah. the show because it is a roller coaster of a ride and the character development is awesome. So... I'm excited. Liz has no idea what's coming up ahead of her. So each season, hopefully, we're hoping to do this. We'll see what happens. We're hoping to bring her on at the end of the season for a recap, kind of a what did you think of this season, highlights, um, things you hated, whatever, and then predictions. What do you think is going to happen? And so Liz will hopefully be with us for the rest of the podcast ride. And I'm excited. I think it's going to be really fun. But right before we jump into the episode, we did want to just say a huge thank you to all of you who have been following along with us and making your way through the podcast with us, kind of sticking with us through all the bumps of the first season and yeah. the uh, a little bit stranger episodes. We really, really appreciate it. And we did not mm-hmm. expect to get this kind of reaction from the podcast. We kind of were hoping that some people would listen along, but we did not expect the kind of reaction that we've been getting. And it's just been super, super rewarding. And we are very thankful. Yeah. 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 Again, guys, thank you so, so much. We're thankful for all of you and we're excited to continue on this journey with you. So with that, let's talk about Prophecy Girl. So um, Prophecy Girl is actually Joss Whedon's 10th favorite episode. I believe it. I feel like it was probably like the first episode that like he did that was like, this is where I want the show to go. Yeah. I feel like Prophecy Girl kind of gets ragged on a lot of times for being, you know, part of a campy season, which it is. But it's also just, it really is a phenomenal episode. It's the episode that Buffy becomes Buffy. Yeah. Well, she also decides like, okay, I'm the Slayer. The whole first season, she doesn't want to be. She's fighting Mm -hmm. it the whole time. She's kind of like doing it half-heartedly. And this is the first one where she's like, she chose to go out and possibly die. Right. She didn't have to do Mm -hmm. that. And I mean, we... We've uh, we talked about it in the Scooby Secret section, but we've never actually talked about it um, in the non-spoiler section. Each season has a theme, like an overall theme that they kind of go for, and you can see it, you know, trickling down into each episode um, in little ways. And this season was all about acceptance, Buffy's yeah. acceptance of being the Slayer and what that looks like, and what that responsibility genuinely is. And this episode kind of, you see the fruition of each little step she's taken to fully take on yeah. the role of being the Slayer. Also acceptance in like a new school with new friends. Giles accepting his role as being her watcher. Um, like Joyce in a new place too. Like there's just so many different things. Yeah. That, each character is going through yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah. It, they really did a phenomenal job for only having 12 episodes in a season. They had a really interesting story arc and they wrapped it all really well while having great character development and leaving room for more. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's kudos to them. Yeah. It's insane. Cause it's like, even if you just look at the first episode to the last, like, the first episode, Buffy is like yelling at Giles, pretty much telling him like, I don't want to be 
this person, I quit, I'm over it. And then it's like to this episode where she like willingly sacrifices her life, not only for the people she loves, but for an entire town and a world that, you know, I mean, she, she wished quits she could live at well. first. Yeah. <laughs> and then she, but comes still, yeah. it's like she accepts who she is and she yeah. fights and she does it willingly. And it's like she is becoming who she should be as a slayer, you know? It's really cool. Yeah. So, Prophecy Girl. Season 1, episode 12. This episode was written and directed, obviously, by Joss Whedon, which you can just tell. There's just an extra always, staff. You can always tell when it's Joss is yep. the, like the one that is directed. How many it. episodes did he direct in the first season? Is this the first this one? This is the first one. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know he wrote Yeah, he Nightmares. wrote the pilot episode. And he, he wrote, wrote um, the Nightmares one. He might have written Angel. I don't think he wrote Angel. But he wrote the Nightmares one, but he didn't direct any of them. This is his first time. Right. Which... Again, you can just tell. Everybody's just kind of on a little bit more. Um, it aired June 2nd, 1997. So we open up at the bronze and we hear Xander talking as we're panning over through the bronze. And obviously your first thought is, oh, he's got to be asking Willow out because just like we've been friends for a while. Right. And yeah, kind of like the little fake out. I just love Willow's face here. She is completely and totally mm-hmm. absorbed in what he's saying. It's almost like she's imagining that she's he's fantasizing it to her. that he's the, saying it like, to her. It literally breaks my heart. Like this whole scene is just so sad because like you're having this moment of like Xander is longing after Buffy, which we've seen the whole first season. Willow's longing after Xander, which we've seen the whole first season, and Buffy's like nowhere near like observing Xander in that way. And it's just like one of those things where it's like Willow is just such a good friend. Like the fact that she's willing just to sit there and like allow her friend to like practically practice on her for asking out another friend and not say anything, not, you know, be mean or be bitter at him or all these things. Like she's just sitting there because she's just like, this is my friend and I'm going to be there for him. I get so sad for her. I'm like, I'm so sorry you have to go through this Willow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's eating it up in a way because it's the closest she's ever gotten to him saying those words to her. Yeah. Just so sad. I okay. I feel like if Willow had been in love before Xander, I think that she'd have a little bit more respect for herself and being like, you know what? Like, I know what it's like to have somebody love me back, and this isn't what it is. So I'm going to move on. But Xander's her first. Like, I don't know. I don't know if she's really in love with him, but she really cares for him. She really likes him. So this is the first time it's ever happened. So she's like holding on to anything. So it's yeah. just not helping. Well, and as we'll see later on in the episode, she kind of does have that moment of standing up for herself and being like, right. no, I deserve more than what, you know, how mm-hmm. you're treating me, what you're doing to me. Um, but I think that, you know, right now it's, it is this idea of like kind of puppy love where she just like, has never really had these types of strong feelings for someone before. And so she has this glamorized idea of what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. So then Xander's all like, Hey, what's Buffy doing? And Willow's all like, you know, what she always does. And I love this shot because you have the slow motion of Buffy falling down so so hard. And then the juxtaposition of Cordelia making out with her boyfriend of the week, Kevin. Yep. Well, Which, okay, I always got it really confused. I thought Kevin was the same boyfriend. I did too. From the, it's not the same boyfriend. It's a different side. dude. The fact that Cordelia has just like a different token boyfriend every single episode well, the last is one the funniest was, thing to me. The last one was Mitch. Yeah. Weird. I thought, yeah, I thought the same, Sarah. That's so Yeah, funny. I did too. And I was like, wait a minute. I, like every single time we watch episodes that Joss has done, I'm like, did he mean to do that? And then almost every single time I'm like, 
yeah, he probably meant to do that. <laughs> but like just the idea that like it's contrasting kind of like what Sarah was saying, the difference between a normal teenager like Cordelia, who's just like the only reason she'd be out parked in the middle of a graveyard is just to make out versus like Buffy, who's there fighting crime and demons and, you know, vampires and all this stuff. The fact that they're both in the same place, but they're living two different lives, you know, and it's just like right. so interesting. And I know he did that on purpose because that's the life that Buffy would want, you know. Right. Well, you even have Kevin there. that says, who are you crazy? Or he says, who would be out there? And then you see Buffy. And I love, love, love. We know at this point, we're kind of aware of what Buffy's capable of, but she we have that moment where she's on the floor and the vampire is like, oh yeah, I've got you now. And she gives him kind of like that yep. scared, innocent look. And then she does this backflip and stands up and you see his smile disappear as she pulls out the stake slow motion. I mean, yep. it's just like, it's such a cool scene. And then she gives him that look. Yep. It's just really cool. Well, this is the first, like, I mean, I absolutely love the first season. I really do. But I will say the fight scenes are atrociously slow. So <laughs> like this is the first episode where you're you're watching and you're like, oh my gosh, she's gotten so much faster. Or like they're really showing her strength. Yeah. Not that she wasn't that she wasn't strong earlier on, but they just I think that they're again trying to find their footing. They weren't trying to make her super yeah. strong right away. And I also think that they're showing her improvement. I think that that's part of what this is, is showing like one, her confidence in being a slayer, but also just like showing the fact that like she is not scared or frightened in any way. And I think again, it's playing along that idea of like, oh, she's this innocent girl. And even a vampire is like, oh, I got this in the bag. Like she's on the floor. Right. You know, underestimating I got her. it made, you know, and she turns that narrative against him, which 100% the theme of the whole show or one of the many themes but like the fact that like it's all slow motion and then she just like kills him like it's super easy yeah, like so it's fast. supposed to be this like epic moment of like who will win even though it's like sped up and it's like no there was never a moment where it was gonna be this guy it was always yep. gonna be her yeah no I noticed that this time too is slow motion and then when she actually starts fighting him it's over in like four seconds Yep. It's so fast. And then she says something about how, wow, three in one night, Giles would be so proud. And I love the way the shot is framed because you have Buffy on the right side of the shot and on the left side is Cordelia's car in the yep. background. Mm -hmm. Once again, showing the comparison between a normal teenage girl and what Buffy is, right. you know? Yeah. Back in the library, this shot is always like, okay, because they show um, the skylight. And you're like, yeah. um, since when was this here? Yeah. They did that so on purpose because they're like, we haven't shown this before. Yeah. We have to show it in order for it to make sense for the later part yeah. of the episode. It's one of those things where I really just feel like it was a budget thing where like they could not afford to like probably even make that scene before or they couldn't afford to like show all these extra parts. You know, they had to stick to what is the set. And so then they yeah. like wrote it in the script and like, oh. Okay, well, we have to add something to the library then because it's going to well, be like, coming in. Hey, guys, this is the last episode. We have a little extra money in the budget. Let's make a skylight. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that'll or come like, to play later. She could fight the master in the school or the bronze. How about we make it a little bit different, add something yeah. different to the library? <laughs> yeah, so, right. So that way not everything well, is taking place in the bronze or the school library. Right. Well, and the thing, too, is that library is so freaking dark. I just don't understand how it could be so dark yep. with that skylight. <laughs> they're yep. like, they're shaded. 
They're like black. Yeah, exactly. There's like blinds that come up during the day. Yeah. 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 I mean, that would be a pretty safe place to go because if there's any vampires during the daytime, like they're going to get scorched. Also, that would be so hot during the day if you have the sun that comes directly above. Like they better be tinted windows. It would like end up burning some of the books. Start a fire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Giles is like in his office sweating. So, yeah, Giles is in the library, and I think this is, like, one of the first times that you get, like, a really good look from the outside in of his office, because yeah. we've had shots in his office before, but, like, going in, it's really That's cute true. with, like, the little window. Yeah. It's yeah. very, like, uh, artsy. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it and is. His little teacup. I'm like, okay, Giles. Just, like, chilling right? at, like, 5 a.m. Yeah. So Giles is reading about the Slayer and he reads about the Slayer uh, going to the Master and then he says, oh, God. And then there's an earthquake. And Jurassic Park. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Jurassic Park. (laughs) He's like looking at his tea and it's like boom, boom. So then as the earthquake is going on, which pretty intense earthquake because we're from California. Yeah. And I've been in many earthquakes and none of them have been this bad. This one's yeah. pretty big. Yeah, man. I'm waiting for the day that one comes. And, yeah, you know. it's coming, man. There were a couple pretty bad ones last summer, but you weren't here. Ugh. Those were pretty bad. Yeah. We were living in our own hell mouth. They were like at 12 a.m. <laughs> and like things were shaking pretty. I mean, it wasn't nearly as bad as the one yeah, in but- The ground wasn't cracking, <laughs> but like it felt like it was. <laughs> well, I mean, the master, he was like 5.1. And I was like, that looks like far more yeah, than yes. a 5.1 to no me. No way. That was a 5.1. Are you kidding me? It's like me? an 8 or 9. Yeah. If stuff is cracking like that, that's not a 5.1. Are you kidding me? So in case um, we weren't aware that this was the... Uh, season finale the master says the final days glory glory then there's an earthquake going on so i'm pretty sure that something's going down tonight yeah and it's funny because um we've talked about this in the scooby secret section you know couple episodes ago giving away all our secrets leah i know if you rewatch them and you watch the Google secrets you can hear them in order um but (laughs) like we talked about how the uh, idea to keep the master like stuck underground for an entire season was just a practical decision because they didn't <laughs> want him to be able to just attack Buffy like every single episode because then it would get redundant and then he wouldn't be seen as super powerful. So the idea to just keep him trapped under a church was just practical because every episode was not just about, oh, the master's coming again. Okay. We're just going to. Yeah. Well, and it allowed them to be able to delve into character development and other things as well. And I hate it in some of these shows looking at you, CW, that have like the villain attacking Mm -hmm. every like, oh, it must be the middle of the season. Oh, it must be almost to the finale. Because when you do that, when they attack so much and someone maybe gets hurt or killed during one of the attacks, it's not as impactful. Yeah. Because it's like, well, we just fought you last episode and now you're all powerful. I'm confused. Yeah. And that's the thing is that. The villains aren't as scary when you have them attacking 24-7 because then you're like, I've seen how you can fight. They've escaped you before. You're really not that scary to me. But when we haven't really seen the, the master fight, we haven't really seen his full extent of his power. We've seen kind of some scary stuff he can do, but we don't really know much of how powerful he is, which makes him more scary because we don't right. know. And the thing is, we've never seen him matched up to Buffy. And so, like, it creates... Except in her nightmares, which right, is terrifying. which is scary, yeah. And so we've never actually seen them fight each other, which is so smart that they chose to wait because it's, like, it creates this idea of suspense and 
mystery that I feel like a lot of shows nowadays do not execute as well. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next morning, Giles looks really disheveled and he's wearing obviously the same clothes as the night before. Mm -hmm. And Buffy, I mean, he looks, he also looks pretty disturbed by what he was reading. And Buffy walks in. She's like, are we safe? Like I, this, this episode or sorry, this scene is so good with the double meaning. It's so evil. And so she yeah. there's a ton of double yeah, meanings. One in this of her episode. quotes was, I'm putting my life on the line out there, Giles, and you can't even say thank you. And you're just like, yeah. that's evil. Or I have Joss to meet my evil. terrible fate. And he looks up and he's like, What? And she's like, Biology. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's just like so evil because it's also like, of course, brilliantly done because Buffy is like completely meaning all these in good fun. And, you know, she's just talking about her night before and Giles is sitting there like, she's going to die. The end of the world is coming. I can't control any of this. That's the beauty of this show. It's like they make light of stuff that people say or do. And it's like, no, we're going to actually make it a real thing in this show. It's going to be like physical demons you have to fight, physical stuff you have to go through. Well, I think you had mentioned this the last time we recorded Tabby, but Buffy shouldn't have to be going through this stuff. She should be able to do what a normal teenage girl does, which is her terrible fate should be biology. Like that Mm -hmm. should be the most that she has to worry about that and oh, breaking a nail. But instead she's over there having to worry about whether or not she's going to live that night. Yep. And And having Giles knows that. Yeah. Having to worry about like all of her friends and family as well. Like I can't even imagine that burden. Yep. So then in the courtyard, I love this exchange with Willow and Xander. And she's talking about how it's the age of the nerd. Nerds are in, right? Yeah. They're still in. Like she's obviously not hip enough to even know if nerds are still in. But I also like the fact that like we've kind of see Willow gain a little bit of confidence. Like she's talking a little bit more like she's making jokes. Like even the way like you kind of see her walk is a little different. Like she's just gaining a little bit of confidence in herself. I just, I don't know. I really like to see that because like she's very different from who she was introduced as in the first episode. Yeah. And then Xander's like, you have that thing, right, Willow? And she's like, oh yeah. Like what a good friend. She leaves so that Xander can ask out Buffy. I, I know. mean, so friend of the year. Too. I know. Seriously, this girl needs a medal. I just, I don't know if I could do that. Like Every single day, have like your best friend be like, I'm in love with this girl. And then like you be in love with them and you're just like, I'm going to practice on you. It's like, (laughs) okay, I'll help you. I'd be like, okay, this clearly is not for me. And I'd be leaving. And I love that. I mean, I know, I think Leah, you had mentioned you didn't know if Willow loves Xander or not. I truly believe that Willow Mm -hmm. loves Xander simply because you would have to truly, truly love someone to be so unselfish about it. You know? I, I mean, I definitely think she loves him. But I don't know if she loves him romantically. And again, I think that that is obviously my, like, opinion. I think it's if she did ever, like, love him in a romantic way, I think it would be more of a love of companionship. I was going to say, Rather than, like, this deep, you know, passionate, you know, love. I think it would just be, like, she does love him. She does love him as a person. But I don't know if it's entirely romantic. And I don't know if she knows that. I think it's hard as a teenager that's so sheltered that has never experienced love to really even know what love is. So that's why a lot of times our first loves I say in quotes, yeah, don't work out. Yeah. And I think, I think that really what the core of this is, and obviously this is only the first season, so we will see whether or not it gets developed more in future, you know, seasons and stuff. But the core of it really just seems like Xander is probably the deepest love she has felt to this point. We don't know much about her family life. Um, and so it's like Xander is really what 
we know about Willow is that they have been close to her forever and he has always been there for her. And so I, I think that that is the closest thing she has ever felt to a romantic love. And I Mm -hmm. think that part of her doesn't really know the difference. And I think that like, she just has had a crush on him for so long that she's just like, I must be in love with him. And it's like, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. In my opinion, I think it is more just a love of companionship for who they are, their friendship, but she just doesn't really know how to distinguish that. Hmm. Maybe. I guess we'll see. But then we have that wonderful moment where Xander asks the dude on the bench to scram. Where he's like, hey, leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this, this scene was actually supposed to be longer. They cut it out. Um, there Thank was like hail that came from the sky at one point. Towards, mm-hmm. <laughs> towards like the ending of the episode, I get really uncomfortable. And like secondhand <laughs> embarrassment because I like – feel kind of bad for Xander, but then I'm also like, I really feel bad for Buffy because I'm like, she, you can tell she just really didn't see it coming. Well, he also like goes through like several different stages of like grief or I don't know, whatever. in that one conversation, he gets mad. He, he doesn't like believe that it's actually happening. There's bargaining, there's anger, you know? Um, and I feel bad for Buffy because she has to sit there and just cater to all of those emotions yeah. when she doesn't care for him that way. And it's like, ooh. Like- and it's hard too because like I, on one hand, like I do try and give Xander the benefit of the doubt in this scene because like, you know, he really likes this girl and he is just trying to ask her out. And like it does take a lot of confidence to do that. And it's not an easy thing to do to tell the person that you like, that you like them, especially in high school when you see them every day and you have to live with the idea that they might say something bad about you. Um, But on the other hand, Buffy just so impresses me with this scene because like Xander says some really hurtful things and he like lashes out at her and she handles it really well. And she's very kind to him and very sweet to him because she recognizes as his friend that he is in a painful place. And so she does what she can to kind of make that easier for him. And so, and I totally understand like this is not Xander's shining moment, but I also do understand like he's really, really hurt. And so he's lashing out, but like Buffy just always impressed me in the scene because like, yeah, she just could have been so mean and malicious and just been like, I would never date you. Ew, you're ugly. (laughs) You know, but she doesn't. She's very kind. Honestly, he kind of helped her out with phrasing stuff where he's like, um, either you feel a thing or you don't, which made it kind of easier for her to be like, well, I don't, rather than having to sit there. Well, try. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He's like, oh my God. He said, we'll try. I'll wait. Right. Which shows his desperation because he even just said like, you either feel it or you don't. And so he's like wanting her. He's like, we'll force it. At this point, I don't care how I get you. I just want you to like me. Which in all reality, if she actually did date him and she was not really into it, no one would be happy about it. But there's desperation in the moment where he's like, well, I just want to be with you no matter what. Yeah. And I think I can forgive most of the things that he does during the scene because I'm like, he's hurt. People lash out when they're hurt. But then I think the part that really makes me angry is when he brings Angel up and he's like, well, it's because I'm not, you know, I'm not undead. And it's just like, first of all, way too harsh. (laughs) Second of all, like, it's just like one of those things where it's like, you don't do that to a friend. Like you don't make them feel bad for liking someone or for like, you know, things like that. Or for not liking you. Or for not liking you. Absolutely. So it's like. It just like was too – it was too 
evil. Yeah. <laughs> like it was personal. He made right. it personal. That's it's yeah, that's just, the word I was looking for. It's hard. I feel for both of them. I feel for Xander because it's been hinted at that his family life is not super great. Right. He's obviously incredibly insecure. He's like this girl for forever. He's gotten shot down. And so he's trying to deflect and he's trying to um protect himself. So the first thing he does, instead of it being him, because he doesn't he doesn't want to believe that she couldn't like him. He wants to say, oh, instead of it being there's something wrong with me, there is something wrong with you. And it's yeah. really, really harsh and it's uncalled for and it's not fair. It's also extremely hypocritical because yeah. in Nightmares, at the end of the episode, yeah. Willow asks him, like, yep. were you still attracted to her yep. when she was a vampire? And he says yes. And you can tell he kind of hates himself for it. But it's also like when you like someone, you like someone. Like, And in the show, if they're a vampire or not, whatever it is. Like, He also liked a teacher who, other than the fact that she was a teacher, yeah, was, was also a, a praying mantis. <laughs> yeah. So Joss kind of wanted to create Buffy, like we said, as a share from Clueless. And she says, wow, that's harsh when Xander tells her something. And in the movie Clueless, Ty, her friend, tells her that she's a virgin who can't drive. And she sits there and she says, wow, that's really harsh, Ty. So they say like almost the exact same way. Yeah. I just think that that was one of the best responses Buffy could have said because she's calling him out saying that's really yeah. harsh, but she also doesn't dig back and go, well, no, you blah, yeah. blah, blah, like whatever she could have said to make him hurt just right. as much as her. And it's, it shows how much she really cares for him as a friend um, that she doesn't want to do that. But then, I mean, okay, so I know we're dragging Xander and he deserves it for sure. <laughs> but I also do feel bad for him when he says, considering all the practice I've had. And I think, I think, I, I feel for him and I think Buffy feels for him too. not trying to excuse, you know, the fact that he's like trying to hurt Buffy the way that she supposedly is hurting him. I say with right. quotes, but yeah, it's just a hard scene. I, I hate, I hate it every time it pops up. I'm like, oh, yep. so back in the library, Giles is on the phone and Miss Callender comes in and she says, lake of blood boy born with his eyes inward. And she's like, this is apocalypse stuff. And he's all kind of like, I don't know if I can trust you. I barely know you. And she's like, well, I helped you take a demon out of the internet. Like, you can trust me. Mm -hmm. um, and she's been, I guess, in correspondence with a monk from Cortana, a brother Luca. And so I think Giles kind of, you see him make that decision to trust Miss Calendar. Yeah. And you could tell he's desperate. He doesn't have yeah. anybody else to talk to. He yeah. needs an adult. Which I think that's what I was going to say. I was like, we've definitely noticed that Giles is not someone who trusts people very easily. And is just like, yeah, like I love everyone. Giles is very picky about who he shares his information with and all this stuff. Right. And so I think the fact that he's trusting her so willingly and like being so like open and honest with her. One, I think it's partially because, you know, she's a pretty woman and why not? But Let's it's also, real. yeah, <laughs> I also think it's the fact of like, he is desperate. He is needing any of the help that he can get to try and help Buffy and help the situation. Yeah, exactly. So Giles asks Miss Calendar to find out any info. Still not sure if he can trust her, but I think at this point he's desperate and it kind of just shows like what he's willing to do to help right. Buffy. Yeah. So then we see Cordelia with her flavor of the week. <laughs> her spice. Kevin. Kevin. What a Kevin. name. <laughs> yeah, Kevin. 
<laughs> and so she's talking to her boyfriend, Kevin, about this dance and he's in a band and she needs his help setting up the sound system and they agree to meet the next morning and she sees Willow. And I just love, okay, this episode is just chock full of amazing singers and one-liners. Mm-hmm. Like it's yep. so and good. Some are like finally from Willow. Like this is finally when we see Willow like yeah. standing up for herself vocally. A couple and just times being this like, episode yeah. too. And this is one of those episodes where she's just like, what do you want, Cordelia? Like, I don't care what you say. Like, it doesn't matter to yeah. me. Which, Willow, I love your outfit. No, yeah. you don't. What do yeah. you want? <laughs> Which is such an improvement from yeah, the, first the first episode, episode where she was like terrified to even have yeah. her talk to her when she was at the water fountain. Yeah. So it's like, it's insane how much Willow has grown just by being friends with Buffy and like yeah. getting that kind of boost of like confidence. And, and at this point, it's been, this is the last episode, so it's been a whole school year since the first episode. So yep. it makes sense that she's grown that much by, by being Buffy's friend this entire time. Yeah. Well, and I think not just her friendship with Buffy, but the fact that I think, you know, when you're put in life and death situations, you it's kind true. of get perspective. You're like, you, you know, what? these things fast. don't really matter as much. Yeah. And I think Willow is kind of grown in that. We just kind of wish Xander would kind of speed up the process yeah. as well. He almost dies every episode and yet. <sighs> so then they agree to meet the next morning to set up the sound system. And Willow kind of sees Xander in a classroom by himself. And kind of tunes out and is like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And goes over and, ah, this scene. Ah, so Xander's all like, you know, Buffy's jonesing for Angel. And it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, she is. But that's not the reason yeah. she turned but you down. Like you knew that going in beforehand that Buffy yeah. had it in for Angel. True. So it's like, why are you bitter now when you should have known that going in? Buffy's been very clear about her like emotions and who she has spent her time with and all this stuff. So it's like. Dude, like, stop faulting your friend for her. Mm-hmm. For and that. okay, she went out with another dude too. She went out with um, Owen earlier on in the season. Oh, like, yeah. it's not, Owen. maybe it's not the That's other guys. Junkie. Maybe it's just Buffy's not attached or attracted to Xander. Yeah. And mm-hmm. on top of all of that, it's unfair for him to say she's jonesing for Angel when she told him, I don't want to ruin what we have, I don't want to spoil our friendship. Like she gave him a reason. Yeah. She also doesn't have to give him a reason. She no, she doesn't. But reasons. like he's not even using the reason she gave him, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's because, well, he just doesn't want to accept that it's anything with him because he's a boy and he wants to try and make up some other reason or make it Buffy's fault or Angel's fault or whoever's fault. That way he does not have to deal with this or own this. And you kind of see him just kind of like almost doing to Willow what he thought Buffy was doing to him. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, because then he's like, hey, I know. Let's go. You and I. It'll be really fun. And you can kind of see Willow's face. Allison Hannigan's acting right here is so good because she's watching him. And as she's watching, you can kind of see this like confidence and peace that comes over her face. Like she knows what she's going to say. And she's like, no. I'm not going to. That's and true, Sarah. She, she definitely has a peaceful look. That's true. I was trying to picture like what it was that her face had because I was just like, what is that? That's not necessarily like melancholy or like I don't even know what it would be, but just like you can tell she's thought about it because I think she thinks of like the worst case scenario yeah. when it comes but to But it's Xander. also just like, man, Xander is so lucky that his two best friends are kind because like – Willow could have very easily just like lashed out at him and been like, I've been there for you when you were 
you know, right. practicing on me to ask out Buffy. I've been there, you know, for all this and she could have gotten mad, but she just was so kind and mm-hmm. so respectful. And like both Buffy and her just handled the situation so, so well. And I'm just like, Xander, like you handled two different situations so poorly and you got so lucky that both of your friends are just so kind to you right now. Like, Yeah, and they love him enough to tell him the truth and be honest with him. I mean, Willow says, you think I want to go to the dance and watch you wishing you could be with her. Like, yeah. I just wanted to like give her a standing applause right Right? there. I know. She said, you should know better, which when she says that with such kindness, it kind of cuts deeper. I'm just like, dang, Xander. Yeah, right? It's like the thumbs down. (laughs) I'm disappointed in you. (laughs) Rather than flipping someone off while driving you, it's the thumbs down. It has the same energy of like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yep. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, and then she walks away and just says, see you around, like so casually. Yep. And he could tell it guts him. Like he's just like, he knows she's right and he can't say anything about it. And I love how he says the country music of pain. So I know when we, last time we recorded this, you guys were like, well, I don't think of country music as pain. But okay, have you guys seen Trolls 2? No, I want to. <laughs> so Trolls 2. <laughs> I don't. It's Trolls actually one. really good. It's Thank actually you. better Trolls than the first one. Trolls 1 was actually good. Like, the second one's actually better than we the first one. We have a podcast one. about a vampire show. I think you can extend your mind a little bit. Trolls is good. Okay. It's a good one. No. <laughs> you cannot All right. We'll Buffy. save that for our Trolls, Trolls podcast. It. It's not so, bad. So Beyonce sang in the live action Lion King. We all know what happened there. So. Well, the music Whoa, wasn't bad. Shots fired. <laughs> the music wasn't bad. It was just the animation in the face. Whereas Trolls is amazing. So. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> can I continue my point? Yes. <laughs> Okay, so Trolls 2, there's the premise is they have to go to all the different music, uh, like country trolls, pop trolls, disco trolls, like all those. (laughs) Anyway, they go to the country (laughs) ones and Branch, the guy who's kind of like melancholy and sad and and he hears the country music. He's like, it's kind of sad, but he's like... Sometimes life is sad. And so he's like, I kind of like it. And <laughs> they, they you put know, that in a kids movie? Yeah, they did. It You're was like, all about it's, the song is called Born to Die. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> hey right? kids, sometimes you're just depressed. Is and it- that's okay. Lana Del Rey song. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I just wanted to say that country music is the music of pain. It is it may not be agree. how we think of it because as. Because of Trolls too. <laughs> no. no, but I'm just saying that like country music is known for being the music of pain. It expresses a lot of pain and heartache in it. I've at least, never heard that. I it is. It's a, it's a common I, thing. I feel like soul music, like That's R&B. Gonna, like R&B or soul would be the music yeah. I think of like that's pain like because it's right. just such but you have to remember emotion. you have to remember the context the time the era that this was in and typically country music was the music of pain back then I nowadays that's fair. i would that's say that's actually fair it's like man i'm in pain i'm gonna go turn on a country song now, like, nowadays is different though it's like beer. yeah well nice. now it's like yeah. drinking pain. and trucks and it is actually it is pain. It's painful to hear for me. So, oh my gosh. You're right there. So dramatic. Anyways, so yes, country music pain. And then there's that just say no poster behind him, oh my <laughs> which is hilarious because so everyone keeps telling him no. Oof. Yikes. So Dang. anyway. Joss really brought that that point home. Yeah. <laughs> 
then Buffy goes to the bathroom and there's blood coming out of the faucet, which would be terrifying. Seriously. Yeah, that would be really scary. So Buffy's like, okay, this is funky. Something's going on. And goes to the library and hears Giles talking to someone in his office. And it's Angel. And oh, her, her face. face. She's, like, Angel? She's like, Angel? Yeah, she hasn't seen him in like a few weeks. And it like, and it's sad too because like you see her be like happy. And she's like, oh, I want to go talk to him. Like mm-hmm. I miss him. And then like the conversation they're having. And it's just like you can feel her like. Her happiness just kind of leave. I think she's just so confused at first when she starts laughing. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely shocked. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And she hears Giles say Buffy will face the master and she will die. Yeah. And she kind of uh, – we talked about like Xander going through all the stages of grief. And yeah, Buffy kind of goes through uh-huh. this as yeah. well. Yep. She, you know, she this laughs. She disbelieves denial, it or she doesn't believe it. Bargaining. Yep. Yeah. Anger. This, like this scene is probably one of my – favorites that the show has done it's just yeah so 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 good these like the three of them just act so well in what they're doing and they just even like angel or a david boreanis who doesn't do a ton in the scene like he's one of the more like kind of background characters because Mm -hmm. like it's mainly being held by buffy and giles but even when he does talk or the way that he moves, like you just like feel every single thing. That you can tell feeling. he wants to like reach out and hold her, yeah. but he can't. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's just so good. And like specifically like Sarah Michelle Geller's acting is just so good. Phenomenal in this scene. It's so good. The fact that she like starts off kind of like laughing and then like definitely goes into just like, oh, you know, like, well, who's she going to be? Are you going to train her? Like, she, you can tell, like, she's trying to be mature and, like, she's trying to, like, not make it a big deal, even though, like, everyone in the room can tell it's definitely affecting her. Right. Yeah. Which I feel like you can always start out that way, but then once they start saying things and make it seem more real, because then you kind of give cushion room for them to be like, just kidding. You know, so at first you're like trying to put up a front of acting more mature. Yeah. And then when he's like, you know, he's, I don't remember what he says, but he says something to kind of like solidify that it's like true. Yeah. And she's like, like, do you think it'll hurt? Like, then she's starting to like question, like, yeah. and thinking about it. Yeah. And- the part where she just talks about how she's like, you know, I quit, like I'm done, I'm over it. And it's this idea of like, she has not fully accepted what being a slayer is, what that sacrifice means, like that it genuinely being a slayer is who she is. It's not her job. And there is like a genuine difference, um, which, you know, makes Angel kind of be like, you can't quit. And then she like lashes out. Uh, it's so sad because like you see Angel just being like, you think I could, you know, bear that if something happened to you? And you're just like, oh, the scene just has my emotions everywhere because like I feel for Giles because like as we've seen in Nightmares, like he cannot let his slayer die. But then I feel for Buffy because, like, she's the one who actually has to die. But then, like, Angel is going to, like, lose the person he's in love with. So I'm like, I'm so confused. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of emotions. And it's just done so well the way it's lit. It's only – it's very dark except for, like, the golden glow that's on all of them. But then Giles looks so exhausted and mm-hmm. worn out and disheveled. Um, and then Buffy, I mean, she's just – a young lighthearted girl had no idea what's going on. She says, that's it. One slayer dies. The next one's called wonder who she is and then think it all hurt. Mm-hmm. And you can see the look of anguish on Giles's face because he feels helpless in this moment. And I just, well, she even from says, what we know, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, she even says like, 
um, you're really helpful here with all of your books. And he says, I don't suppose I am. And you're like, oh. Yeah. yeah. You feel for him because you see mm-hmm. him doing everything he possibly yeah. can. He's not sleeping. You can tell that he's used to doing things a certain way. He has been trained for this his whole life, as we've heard him tell her with um, when he talks to her about like when with Owen and everything, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, my family, this is what is expected of me. And so I think he kind of went into this as this is my job. And in the meantime, kind of found a daughter, you know, yeah. in with in Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of a sudden he's realizing that like nothing he's going to do, nothing he's going to research is going to help. Like Buffy's going to die. Yep. And I just, okay. So I was remembering back to the first time I ever saw this scene. I don't have a memory of the first time I saw any of the other parts of Buffy, but this yeah. scene I remember vividly because mm-hmm. up until up until the scene, I was kind of like, okay, this is a fun show. I'm enjoying this. But I will never forget when she says, wonder who she is, think it'll hurt. And then Giles, I'm 16 years old. I don't want to die. I'd never heard a show talk about death like that. Yeah. Yep. They don't say die or they'll say, I have so much to live for, or they'll talk right. about all the things that they want, but they don't ever talk about like, hey, like it might hurt yeah. or mm-hmm. like, who's going to come after me or, you know, like all those things that, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, that would be going through my mind too. Yeah, and when, sure. as she was saying it, like I was pretty young at the time too. Yeah. I wasn't, I think I was like 19 or 20. And I just was like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I would be saying these right. words. And she also feels like a project too. Like she throws the book and says like, read me the signs, tell me my fortune as if like her life isn't in her hands by her dying. It's a part yeah. of a prophecy. So it's like, I have no control right. over my life. And I think a part of that is like, she doesn't feel like her life is her own because yeah. she's, yeah. you know, she's just a slayer. That's just who she is. She just does whatever the slayer does and she dies when the slayer dies. Like, and so I think a part of her is just like, I have no control over anything. Like I, I fight demons and I fight vampires and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, I still die. Like, and yeah. it's just like, well, and so hard for her. She's been wrestling with this this entire season. She's wrestling with the fact that she didn't want this, but she got chosen. And And because of it, her grades are flunking. You know, she's not able to do all the fun things that her friends are able to do. There's things that she wants to do that she can't. And this is yet another thing that she's not in control of. Yeah. Or even be able to see slash date the person that she loves, you know? Right. Exactly. Something so simple. But even Yeah. If she wasn't the vampire slayer, she might have a shot with Angel. Right. I mean, yeah. He's still going to live yeah. forever still some issues there but uh, it's at least right one there are but she the recognizes that like they're literally mortal enemies it's not right. like she's just a regular human right yeah oh and then angel's like trying to console her and she's like what do you know you're never going to die and you see him um, kind of go oh that's true yeah you know well and it's hard too because it's like she's stuck into like a room with two people who cannot fathom what she's going through because Angel can understand what it's like having to live a life where you didn't choose because he didn't choose to be a vampire, but he's never going to die. So that aspect of it, he can't understand. Giles is going to die, but it's going to be of his own will and of his own choice. Like even he can't understand what it's like to be a slayer in the warrior Exactly. But it's also like Giles chose to be a watcher. Like he like may not have always wanted it, but at the end of the day, like it was a career that he got right. to choose. Whereas like Buffy did not choose to be a slayer. So neither of them can fully comprehend what she is feeling. And she knows that and she recognized that. So like them trying to console her doesn't do much because 
no one knows what it's like to be her. Well, if you break it down even more, they don't know what it's like to be a girl. They don't know what it's like to be a teenage girl. But Angel's already lived a couple, like a hundred and something years. And Giles is, you know, middle-aged. So he's already kind of lived his life. At least he's not done with his life, but he's already lived a lot of his life. Buffy has so much to live. Well, I was going to say like there's a correlation or just like um, similarities between like what 16 year olds feel like in high school in this scene you see it with joyce later on where she's like is it written somewhere that you can't you know enjoy tonight or whatever um or she's like everything's the end of the world with 16 year olds um but in this scene it's like sarah brought up a good point where it's like there's a male there who doesn't understand what it's like to be a 16 year old girl and then there's giles who's like someone who's just older who doesn't understand what it's like to be a teenager again and she's sitting there and she's like this is the end of the world for me i I am going to die because of this, but like a lot of 16 year olds go through a lot of crap on their own. Obviously it's not like the physical end of the world, but there's people who just can't understand what they're going through because they're not in the same stage of life or they're just not yeah. the same gender. Yeah. Yeah. So Buffy does what I think is actually super smart. She says, I quit. I can't die if I quit. And Giles is like, it's not that simple. And she's like, I'm making it simple. Um, which is really smart. Like if you know you're going to die, like what happens if you just don't, don't be the slayer. <laughs> yeah. If you just don't. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Buffy, you're going to die. She's like, no, how about yeah. no. Willow's trying to call Xander and Xander's listening to I Fall to Pieces by Patsy Cline. <laughs> music music of, pain. of pain. Yeah. And he just like picks up the phone and puts it back. Like, oh my word. Such a drama um, queen. I cannot. Like Buffy is dealing with her literal death. <laughs> and like Sanders over here, like, I got, you know, rejected. It's like maybe there are bigger issues on the table right now. He feels yeah. like death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Buffy's in her room and is all like, hey mom, let's go away. Let's get out of town. She's like tears and- going down. Oh, I know. She's trying everything. And like, poor Joyce. I feel so bad for her because she's trying. You see her try constantly just like to understand Buffy, to understand her teenage daughter, which are already hard enough to understand and like (laughs) trying to relate to her. And like poor like Joyce thinks that this is like about the dance. And she's like, no, like you can do the dance. And like Buffy's just like sitting in her head. Like I like I cannot tell you what's going on. And even if I did, you would not comprehend it. Yeah. But I also think – like kudos to Joss Whedon for giving even like freaking Joyce a an excellent character arc in 12 episodes cuz we saw back in like the witch and others other episodes that Joyce and Buffy were just having a they were having a hard time connecting yeah. mm-hmm. and in this one it felt like they're actually for the first time getting the chance to connect and Joyce is actually hearing her daughter and Buffy's actually hearing Joyce for the first time like it's a really sweet moment and so then again we have the whole like double meaning Joyce shows her the dress and Bobby's like, I can't go. And yeah. she's like, is it written somewhere? You should do what you want. <laughs> love to just make people hurt. Like, when yeah, I first true. heard this, I was like, that is so evil. Like, why did they put that? <laughs> is it there? written somewhere? Yes, yeah. it is. It's always the end of the world with you 16-year-olds. Yeah. You're like, it yeah. really is, though. Bobby's <laughs> like, it actually is. So can you get off my back, please? Yeah, right. Um, And then she tells her the story about when she goes to mm-hmm. the dance. And Buffy's like, you had your whole life ahead of you. (laughs) Must be nice. (laughs) Heartbreaking. Then Cordelia and Willow have their thing. 
getting ready for the dance. And Cordelia keeps talking about Kevin didn't show up. And then she talks about how like she actually might care for Kevin. Which is so funny to think about because she's had so many boyfriends, but also just the fact that she's surprised by the fact that she likes her boyfriend is yeah, such that's a so sad. thing. Just like, I think I actually might like him. It's like, well, I sure hope so. Well, You're dating him. I have a theory though. I feel like it's because he kind of ditched her. She's the one who has to kind of like fight for his affection. So I think oh. it's kind of, a, it's a fake, it's a fake type of emotion where she's like, I think I kind of like him, but it's only because he's not gawking at her at the moment. So I think in that moment, she's like, oh, I kind of like him, but I think it's not really real. I think it's just like mm. she wants his affection. Yeah, which is, I mean, entirely plausible. We have not seen Cordelia to be the very uh, deep loving type at this moment. Yeah. Well, um, she even says, me, he stood up me. Like she can't mm-hmm. comprehend that somebody would stand her up. Yeah. So then they see the guys watching the three little pigs. This scene oh, is it gets me every time because I forget about I forget it. Forget about Terrifying. it. Yeah. Because obviously there's so much that goes on in this episode. And yeah. so I, like it's such a quick scene, you kind of forget about it. But like the bloody handprint on the TV with the three pigs dancing is mm-hmm. haunting. But also just like the fact that like Cordelia is screaming all this stuff, but like the only person I focus on in this scene is Willow because yeah. she like walks in. Allison Hannigan's such a good actress. King of pain. Yeah, but she Love like her. walks in and she's just like <laughs> You can like feel the fact that like her body is like disassociated at mm-hmm. this moment because she's like yeah. physically cannot comprehend that this happened in her school to people that she knew. Like yeah. it's just like, oh, it's but so well just, done. Like she said later on in her conversation with Buffy, she's like, I go in that room every day. There's just so many things that just hit home for her. She's like, I talk to these people every day. That's the room I sit yeah. in every single day. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine. And this is the most yeah. blood we've seen. Um, yeah, that's true. So this is the first time where we're like, oh, there's a ton of dead bodies. Like usually when yeah. someone dies, it's like there's a dummy that's looking like their body yeah. being hung hung in the computer room, you know, things like that. But it's like, no, like there's a ton of blood. But there's it's also corpses. This is the first. This is the first not only group death that we've seen on the show, but this is the first time we've seen like multiple dead bodies. But also, this is the first time that someone has died on campus. Like by a vampire that we've seen the corpses of. Sure. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, there's Jesse, but then but right. this is just this, like Willow says it, it was like they were having fun. Yeah. yeah they they didn't were try taking to turn pleasure. Them. They were just, they, yeah, they didn't want them to be like vampires. They didn't like suck their blood and per se, there were several other things they did for fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And for Willow, like she hasn't really had to deal with this before. Yeah. So Willow's traumatized and she's talking to Buffy. I'm not okay. I knew those guys. I go to that room every day. It wasn't ours anymore. It was theirs. They had fun. What are we going to do? And I think this is the moment yeah. that Buffy really, like it hits her that yeah. somebody has to do, somebody has to take charge. Somebody has to stop them and it has to be me. Yeah. The scene in the bedroom with Buffy and um, Willow, is just so good because like Allison Hannigan absolutely shows what an innocent girl looks like in this scene. Like she's just seen something that is taken away a little bit of her innocence. And so she's just like sitting there and she's broken and like Buffy comes in and she makes the decision to go and sacrifice herself for her best friend and also everyone else. But it's also just like so well done because like, it's almost like Buffy is choosing to sacrifice her innocence for the sake of Willows. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, which it's is a good just way of putting it, Leah. So cool. 
Yeah. I love that she says what we have to in response to Willis saying, yeah. what are we going to do? Um, yeah. And she says, take care. Don't go out tonight. And Willow's like, I like your dress. So then we see the anointed one leaving to go get Buffy. And back in the library, Miss Callender is pretty much being told everything. Um, and she's saying like her brother, Luca Monk has disappeared. And then, uh, but he sent like one last message before he disappeared. Isaiah nine, six, the child will lead them. It's like the lion will lay down with the lamb and the child will lead them. And Giles is like, well, the anointed one might possibly be a kid. Like uh, suddenly starts to figure that out. But you also see Giles really taking charge and being like, okay, like, I'm going to go fight the master. Mm-hmm. I always forget about that. And then I'm like, ah, yeah. he was willing. He knew He knew there's mm-hmm. no way. Yeah. Like he was probably prepared to die. Well, he would have 1,000% died like yeah. right away. And I think that it's also like very sweet because it's like we've seen the impact of him thinking that his slayer is dead because of nightmares. We've seen that that is one of his fears and stuff. And so it's like he's literally living in his fear right now. Like the idea mm-hmm. that his slayer is going to die because of him. Well, also that his knowledge couldn't get her out of it. So exactly. there's two different fears that and he's so going he's, through. He's fearful. And so he's like, no, like I'm not going to let my fear become a reality. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure she doesn't die. And it's just like so sweet. Like it's just so like the fact that he just like knows he's going to die. I love Giles so much. As I get older, I'm like, oh. Love him. He's right? getting he's getting up there as like probably one of I mean he was he's always been one of my favorites, but like he's trumping other characters at this point when I'm rewatching. I'm like, oh, I love Giles. Yeah. You know you're getting old when you start relating with Giles more. <laughs> Seriously, man. He's like, I just want to be home and in my library with my tea. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And Leah's like Me same. Too. And then Leah's over there like, I'm a 16-year-old girl. I don't want to die. I relate with all of them. <laughs> I know. Seriously, every single character is relatable in this episode. So then Buffy walks in and is like, we're looking for a kid, huh? And her and Giles start arguing. And he's like, I made up my mind first. I'm older and wiser. Just do what you're told for once. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, And Buffy wallops him and oh Giles is unconscious again. <laughs> every, every episode. This dude, it feels like in the first have, season. Like, brain damage. Um so then Buffy is getting her crossbow ready and Miss Calendar's like, you'll die. And Buffy says, maybe, maybe I'll take him with me. Such, such a an intense powerful episode. thing to say. Just like the acceptance of like, yeah, I'm gonna die, but like I'm gonna go down fighting. And it's like Yeah. Yes, Buffy. Like so much power. Or maybe if I go and fight him and die, then that means my friends won't. So I'd rather die in that place. Mm -hmm. So the anointed one comes and she's all like, I know who you are. Let's just go. Let's get the show on the road. Yeah. I like that Um, she's just kind of like, don't insult my intelligence. Like, let's just go. Come on. (laughs) Yep. And Xander, uh, he's all like, how could you let her go? Miss Calendar is <laughs> Miss Calendar's like, like, y'all, I just came to this room. Like, I don't even yeah. know you guys. <laughs> and Jaws is all like, um, obviously did not let her, hence the large bump on my head. I know. And I love how Miss Calendar's like trying to like bring everyone back. She's like, um, excuse you guys. Yes, yes, this is all very bad. But um, the hellmouth opening. Yeah. Where where is that going the to be? The voice of reason. She's like, there are bigger issues. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, yes, this is a big deal, but what can we do? 
Xander leaves. Ugh. And so and Buffy's in the sewers. I just love all these shots with her in the sewer. And it's I love just like iconic. Mm-hmm. I love that they chose to have her wear this outfit because like we've talked about how clothing says a lot on this show. And in most mm-hmm. shows, but like specifically this show is very intelligent about why they dress their characters a certain way. And I absolutely think that this scene is a perfect example of that. Like they choose to have Buffy wear this beautiful, elegant dress, but also have this like harsh jacket and obviously like a crossbow because it's supposed to show like Buffy is like beautiful and dainty and delicate and all these things, but she's also the Slayer. Like, well, I was I was going to say like other than the fact that it's a homage to the movie and what she wears in the movie, she wears a white mm-hmm. dress with tooling, which she has definitely an upgraded version in the yeah. TV show. That's for the sure. The movie one is a little um, <laughs> with a leather jacket, interesting. But when I think of her iconic prophecy girl outfit, I think of kind of like what Leo is saying, but her white dress is like her innocence, as like that's who Buffy is. It's a very pretty white dress. That's who Buffy is holding on to. And then there's the harsh leather jacket where it's like, this is a slayer part of me that has to do the hard things. And you see, I mean, you see the master take off the jacket when he kills her, which I think is such a symbolic thing to do because it's Mm -hmm. like, I've killed you. You have taken your innocence. You're now lifeless, you know? Yeah. She's completely exposed in front of him. Yep. Yeah. She is, she's at that point, just a young girl who's mm-hmm. completely innocent yep. and scared. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So surprise, surprise, Xander goes to angels and Which, like Xander does a lot of stupid things in this episode, but I will say this is one of the scenes that kind of almost redeems him for me because he kind of smacks some sense into angel and kind of gives him this like talk of like, dude, I'm not a vampire. I don't have superhuman strength. I have so much to fear, but I'm going to go after her. Aren't you? Mm -hmm. And Angel's been the messenger guide the entire first season. Mm -hmm. You know that he's a vampire who's killed people, and we know that he has a soul now. But he just comes and tells her, hey, there's this monster. Good luck. Here's some information. I'm going to leave. And And he's told Buffy, I'm scared. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the second episode, The Harvest, Mm -hmm. right? Um. He's like, they, they don't like me down there or whatever. And Xander has to be the one where he's like, hey, she's going to die. We need your help type of thing. Um, and he kind of has to like face his own demons, which lack of better phrase, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he has to go down there and he has to do it. And like, this is the first time that you see like a fighting angel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it also like shows a little bit of humility on um, Xander's part. And also shows that he truly does care for Buffy, however misguided that might be because he swallows his pride and goes to Angel, who he yeah. knows is the best chance Buffy has of surviving because Angel's obviously vampire and strong, you know? Yeah. Um, but he, he's kind of a dick. He goes, mind if I come in oh and my gosh. just like straight in walks oh. right in like, Hey, um, you have to ask permission to come into my yep. house, but I don't have to ask permission. Like, yeah, to I, like Xander is so lucky that he, like I did not know him if he was a real person because I swear <laughs> on my life I would sock that kid so fast if I was in my own he's like mind if I come in and just like push me aside I'm like absolutely I do and just like <laughs> like the fact that Angel is just like sure Xander like just because he doesn't me. respect him or care about him right. at all and he's like I have superhuman strength I can easily throw you out of here sure you can come in the fact that just like right. Xander has the utmost like cockiness in the world I'm just like can someone punch that please i really do need to give xander credit though he says i don't like you but buffy thinks you're a real person and i think he says like let's prove her right or you can prove her right or something like that like he basically just like kind of calls angel to arms and i really think that 
like he should get more credit for that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, again, Xander has a lot to do to earn um, <laughs> being a kinder person for me. Just uh, a better person point, Yeah. But this scene really does yeah. give him some points back because he mm-hmm. was there when Buffy needed him. Yeah. So yeah, Miss Calendar wants to know where the Hellmouth is. Um, and Giles tells Willow to look it up and then back down into the sewers. The anointed one just like leaves, which I was like, okay, what Why was, was your he role even again? there? Yeah. Uh, but we get the iconic shot of her yeah. in the sewer with her crossbow. You see this yep. freaking shot everywhere. The golden light on her. Yep. She's down there and she's like, thanks for having me. And he's like, oh, good. The feeble banter part of the fight. Yeah. <laughs> Xander and Angel are on their way. And Xander's freaking out, thinking that Angel's looking yeah. at his neck. Yeah, he's like, he's I like, told you to yeah, eat no, before so you left. Funny. This interaction <laughs> kills me. And then uh, the master, you aren't the hunter, you're the lamb, which Biblical call reference. back to Isaiah. Mm-hmm. But it's also just like so freaking humiliating. Like, could you imagine yeah. like going to your death and just be like, huh, you're not even worth the fight. It's like, dang, can you at least like pretend to fight me so I feel like I'm dying for something? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, imagine, I mean, we'll get to it in a second, but it's bad enough to die die when you're 16 yeah. but it's even worse to die when you realize there's no point to your dying mm. your death and the fact that you like caused your worst fear like he just kind of twists a knife you know yep so then the library they're like hey where is there going to be a bunch of people oh it's going to be the prom so miss calendar and willow leave and are like all right we're going to go to the prom and they're outside and vampires start to surround their car and they realize, crap, I don't think the Hellmouth is under the, where the prom is. The Which bronze. they should have put together two and two, like that the Hellmouth was, you know, on the high school. One, because like the earthquake was so much worse where Giles was like True. than anywhere else. Mm. But also just the fact of like everything awful happens in the high school, nowhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's like I always forget. Think about that. I always forget the entire first season doesn't know that the Hellmouth is on the high school. I'm like, isn't it obvious? <laughs> yeah, there's things about the show that I'm like, wait a minute. Oh yeah, you don't know this. Yeah. Thing. So the master is just taunting Buffy. I want this moment to last, and Buffy's like, I don't. Which yeah, same. And he kind of enthralls Buffy. Oh, this this scene it just breaks my heart. Prophecies are tricky. You're the one who sets me free. If you mm. hadn't come, I couldn't be free. And you see that one tear, and she realizes that she didn't have to die. So sad because she like came to fight and like make her death like take it into her own hands and like make it her choice. Yeah, and then it's like he just rips that away from her because he's like, "Ha, huh? <laughs> this actually helps me." Your decision to empower yourself and say, no, I'm going to choose when I'm going to die was actually like a fake out. Like you didn't actually have to do that. Right, but and- I'm like, anyone could make up prophecies but if you know the person well enough. I'm like, all right, Sarah will be mad at me tomorrow. You know, like, and then I can make that happen. <laughs> when will we have an argument with Sarah? <laughs> right. So then he writes her and then just tosses her into the water. Like he doesn't even drain her. Yeah. He just tosses her. Like because he's says, so confident. He's like, she will die. So what's the point? But it's also like yeah. it's, I think it's supposed to show like 
she was not even like his end goal. Like she was just a stepping stone. Just self. a means. He was right. not afraid of her at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So she, he, like for him, it's just kind of like, eh, you know, she was my way out. Now yeah. I get to go do what I actually want to do, which is just like such a slap yeah. in the face. It's like, man, if you're going to kill me, can I at least be like, you know, the big prize instead of like a little stepping stool? Yeah. And he's like, by the way, I like the dress all condescending. It's almost like the whole like, you're pretty. You should smile more. Like just yeah. like all those little things. Or he even he said in nightmares, he goes, "You're prettier than the last one." Yeah, yeah. He just keeps mocking her. But it also just um, like diminishes her down to just like just a pretty girl. No, he really does. It's just like, yep. oh, you're just a pretty face. You're just this, and it's like, yep. No, have nothing else to you. Yeah, there's like there's mm-hmm. no substance. Yeah, he completely takes anything empowering away from her, which is just. Awful, awful for Buffy. Yeah, what a way so to go. So Xander, out yeah. So Xander and Angel come in, and this this part just cracks me out. I know it's supposed <laughs> to be like intense, but you know, like <laughs> Angel's all like, <gasps> yeah. and he's like, I, I, can't, I, have, I have no, no breath. breath. <laughs> it's like, are you sure about that? <laughs> it's the same thing that happens in Out of Mind, Out of Sight, because he goes and says to him, and he's like, I don't have breath. I can do it. And it's like, why are you always out of breath if you don't are have Are you talking breath? about the basement with like the- Yeah, yeah he's like, oh, I gotcha. smelled the gas, but yeah. I have no breath. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> um, and so he's like, she's dead. And then he's like, you have to save her, which again- it's kind of cool because it's Xander's redeeming moment. Like he gets to save Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think it used to bother me, but I really do think it is a li- we see a little bit of character growth in this moment. Yeah. But it also means um, a lot because like if Xander had like left himself to wallow in all this stuff, like Buffy would have died. And so it's like the fact that, that like, is true. Buffy, w- I mean that Xander was like selfless enough to get off like his butt and like, grab Angel and like go after her is the one of the reasons why she's still alive. Mm-hmm. I, I love this episode, but from like here on out, it's like so cheesy. But like especially yeah. when she wakes up really fast and you hear the sparkle yeah. noise. It's like, mm. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. And she's like, I feel better. And it's like, you said, just I died. feel strong. Yeah. Which I think part of that is the fact that like she just faced her worst fear and she's got over it. And so she like doesn't – I think part of that is just her being Literally like, the worst has happened. Like, yeah, fear doesn't control me about this anymore because I've already lived through it. So I think that's kind of what they're supposed to go for. But it does kind of come off as like, wow, her recovery time is just through the roof. Okay, so I read something really interesting because I have never – well, I won't say never, but I've always wrestled through with like, okay, why was she enthralled by him and then suddenly not? Why does she suddenly feel so yeah, powerful? Yeah, All yeah. that stuff. So um, I think that Buffy was scared of the bastard. And because she was scared of him, she kind of went into the fight going, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And you notice how she didn't even try to fight him. She yeah. just was kind of like, I'm, she, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Ha ha. She was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to die. So why even try? She didn't even try doing anything to him because in her mind, there's no point. There was no way that she could beat him. It's it's kind of like a mental block too. It's like once you go into an argument with somebody and you know that they're a manipulator, but you allow your walls to be broken down, they can easily manipulate you. Whereas if you go into the conversation, you're like, all right, I know the, the points I have to make. I know where I have to go. If they try to get somewhere here, I won't let them. Well, and it, yeah. a lot is to be said about mental strength. And if yeah. you are in a right mind frame, you can do a lot of stuff. And so once Buffy realized, hey, I'm alive, 
and I'm strong. Like she says, I feel strong in her mind. She's like, I'm the slayer. I can go kill him. Like now my life is my own. I'm empowered to do whatever it is I want to do. Yeah. I think that she was just like, Hey, I can do this, you know? And so that's why she was able to um, escape his thrall later on. Because honestly, I wonder if she was able to escape his thrall initially too. She just was like so trapped in her own mind and mental game that Mm. she was like, oh, I can't even like no matter what I'm going to do, I'm going to die. Right. So I think that it's quite possible she could have beaten him in the underground the entire time, but she was not in the right headspace and had worked herself up to the point that she was just like, I can't. Yeah. I think it was just the fact of like she viewed him as stronger. So he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So once I started like figuring that out, I was like, oh, okay, then this is it. Like that makes so much more sense. So then Cordelia comes along while Miss Calendar and Willow are outside, which, okay, Cordelia is heck strong. Her boyfriend just died. I mean, granted, like we see that she doesn't care for them that much, but she's still like functioning really well. I think honestly, I think that Cordelia is just running on like self-preservation and i think she knows at this point if anything is going down you go where buffy and her friends are yep true And you help them and so i think that that's really what this is because she doesn't really question anything she's just like where are we going and so i think it's cordelia just recognizing like if something's going down i know which side i want to be on well and they're like the librarian she's like on it and then she just crashes through all the walls (laughs) and i love how giles is like sitting in the library just chilling and he's like do you hear a noise? <laughs> Which honestly, I would be Cordelia. It's like, why we, Why am I going to take the time to park my car, get out of my car, and run inside when I could literally just drive there? Right. Exactly. So then like roots start coming out from underneath the hellmouth and the master's on the rooftop and like my beautiful world, like basically king of the mountain. Well, I, I wrote down when Willow's talking to Buffy in the bedroom, she says, wasn't our world anymore. It didn't feel like oh, it was yeah. ours. And then he walks out and says, my beautiful world. Yep. It's just kind of like, it's one of those things where it's like, it really was his if she hadn't yeah. killed him, you know? Right. Willow and Miss Calendar are going to the bookshelf and Giles is running to his office and they leave Cordelia all alone because she's like over there trying to Why like did they leave shove her alone? the dust. She's like arguably probably the weakest one besides like Willow. I'd probably say Willow and her are like on par with each other. But she's like there alone. She doesn't know what they're doing. And they're all like just Seriously. Like, I don't know, out. guys. I'd rather have Cordy on my side because <laughs> when she gets sure. evil, she could be nasty in a fight. But there's a difference between like fighting like mental games and like fighting like physically like Cordelia's i don't know she could play dirty in a game and like fighting <laughs> you can't really fight dirty when you're fighting vampires like, she, she bit a vampire dirty. back <laughs> yeah that's right let's see how you like it i that's just one of my favorite moments of the show yep. right there so then you have oh look a bad guy and the theme song oh. going on <laughs> see, okay i understand Which, because it's like okay you have to think about the time but this scene makes me so <sighs> Scenes like this are why people think that this show is corny. But I'm like, I promise, <laughs> it's just every once in a while, and it's really not that bad. She just pushes over the vampire too. She doesn't even stake him or anything. Well, and the fact right. that like Angel and like Xander are right behind her, just like walking, like yeah, like, <laughs> like, like not trying to like fight them. It's 
it's just so funny to me because I'm like, if I was fighting behind her, I'd like try to, you know, dust them as she hits them. This just reminds me of how corny that like slow-mo walk is with like Darla and all the vans behind her. Yeah, it's that the episode. same energy. It's like this is worse vibe. though. Like I'm always like, I don't know. Prophecy girl. I'm <laughs> always like, guys, prophecy girl is where the show it. gets really good. And then this part comes in, I'm always like, okay, except for this moment. <laughs> the last like five minutes are like, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm I'm always like, like, I know. I'm always like, season two gets better. Trust me. Season two is oh so good. No, but this episode is still so good. And it's obviously it it's a little cheesy, but like you kind of just have to think about it. It's like, you know what? They we'll give her her moment. absolutely know if they still wanted to be She's this on corny. an adrenaline high after dying. We'll give her. Yeah. You know, and honestly, grace. the music playing, <laughs> I'm not bad mad at it. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like it's kind of iconic that they wanted to put the theme song in there as they're walking. But the fact that she's like, oh, look, a bad guy. I'm always like, ooh. I can't. I and she can't. says it just like that too. Oh, look, a bad guy. Yeah. And you're just like, ah, okay. I cannot. But no, we love the episode. It's just this one part makes me cringe every time. So then um, Cordelia bites the vampire. And then, okay, I love the velociraptor sounds that are coming out. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I feel really bad for Giles in this apocalypse because freaking Miss Calendar and Willow have only one squid around Willow's, like, leg. Yet Miss Calendar could just get up and, like, Yeah, and Giles is running around because they're all like, Giles, help us, Giles. And so Giles is, like, running around trying to help everyone. Yeah, exactly. They're, They're, like, screaming bloody words, Giles! I know, and he's like running back and forth, poor guy, (laughs) so stressed out. And then Buffy goes to the rooftop, and he's like, you, you're supposed to be dead. And she's like, I may be dead, but I'm still pretty, which I used to think was the corniest line until Tabby, you brought up the fact that he was mocking her before Mm -hmm. for her looks. Yeah. Yeah. And then this was her kind of coming full circle and being like, hey. But he even said nightmares. He's like, oh, you're prettier than the last one. I'm like, well, then I'm going to use it against you when I'm killing you. Yeah. 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 You know, hey, we're both dead, but I'm the pretty one. So, haha. And then the whole, you have fruit punch mouth and just like her, it was her empowering moment, taking back the power. It was her just being like, screw you. Your hypnosis doesn't work. Okay. So then I always crack up at this scene where you have, Xander and Angel fighting, and then you have Angel dusting that vamp, and he's just like he like yeah. pokes the stake. So funny. Some of the way they like, oh my gosh! In the episode where I think it's maybe it's Teacher's Pet, or there's one episode where it's um Xander centric, and he like throws the stake at the vamp in his oh. dream, and it's the and it wimpiest throw. Oh, ever yeah. Seen. Sometimes the that one was meant people. to be stupid. This one, he just like clearly has never staked a vampire, or David Boreanaz's first time staking a vampire, mm-hmm. and he looks so like uncomfortable, like he's like poking <laughs> something. <laughs> so good. So then the master is basically taunting Buffy again, and keeps talking about hell and she's like you got amped for hell go there throws him into oh the skylight there was a reason ah, for that's that. why it was there yeah got oh <laughs> um and he gets impaled on a giant chunk of wood that is sticking up from i think is the stairs or the floor or something yeah it's very clear that they didn't have him dust for a reason yeah his bones are there because mm-hmm. um, every other one is dusted you're like what why are his bones here? Yeah. But I just love this moment where they're all standing there around the bones and Giles checks in with Buffy and is, asks 
if she's okay. And she's got tears in her eyes. And you can tell she like went through a lot. She's yeah. traumatized. Mm-hmm. He said, um, I would be too, man. She just died. Yeah. No, it's completely understandable. It's just like in that moment, it's like she's had the chance to actually like realize mm-hmm. what happened and process it all. And he says, should have known that wouldn't stop you. So sweet. I know. So, so sweet. Cute. And then they're all like, hey, do you guys want to still want to go to the dance? And she's like, in, in between tears. I mean, I got all pretty. <laughs> so so cute. And then they're on their way to the bronze and Angel's like, by the way, I like the dress. And she's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Big but hit I, with everyone. I also <laughs> love the fact that like Angel is the last one to compliment her. So it's yeah, like, right? every, like everyone else does it. But like when Angel does it, it's like, that's the one we want to end But also with. I thought of like the fact that it was the last thing he said to affirm her. It wasn't the first thing. Hit the way she looked wasn't the first thing that he noticed. And yeah. said. Ooh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. It was like she saved the world, and I appreciate that about her. And at the end, <laughs> hey, you look pretty. You saved you the know? world, and like that's kind of cool. But like you also look hot, Matt Dress. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, but and like, I whereas think, everyone else but, was the other way around. Yeah, you know. Well, right. the master like took away her power, mm-hmm. and was just like. You're kind of pretty. Whereas like Angel's like, you're super powerful. And on top of that, you, you are, are also yeah. pretty. <laughs> you're also very pretty. It's very sweet. Yeah. But the fact that she was like, yeah, yeah, big hit with everyone. I think I think she did appreciate that he said it. But I think in that moment, she was like, it doesn't really matter as mm-hmm. much. You know, like there's other, I died and now I'm alive. And yeah, I look great, but like I'm alive, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, now that's anyway. a wrap for the non-spoiler version of first season girl we did it you guys we finished the first season could you imagine if the show had ended after that like i thought it was going to i've been so sad like it literally only gets better from here and they stop having weird music montages (laughs) there's something to look forward to it's actually that's very yeah like it just oh I know we've raved about how like we keep telling people like it gets better, it gets better. No, but like season two is one of my favorites. Honestly, season two, even the first episode, like it starts out with a bang. Like it's just oh, I'm so excited to get into it. Yeah, you see Buffy grow up a ton, even in the first episode. All of them just they just go through so much. They just oh, it just gets so good. It's amazing. Yeah, if you guys have made it this far with us, thank you so much for listening to the first season. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for. Like just dealing with us being green and not knowing how to do a podcast and the fact that we're just kind of like raw, but we have, this has been so fun and I'm so excited for season two and hopefully you guys will be too and will continue to listen along with us Mm -hmm. because there's so much more to cover. And stick around for Scooby Secrets because there's a ton to talk about in this episode. So, so much. But thanks again, you guys. And as always, you can find us at Becoming Buffy Podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can just email us or you can find us on Instagram, Becoming Buffy Podcast. And feel free to email us with questions, comments, anything you want to talk about, what maybe your favorite moment of the season was, or hey, what did you think about that weird, <laughs> cheesy montage moment? <laughs> so, thanks, guys. And we will see you next time. To our last episode of the spoilers Scooby Secret section for season one. We made it. Woo-hoo! We did it. I know. Yeah. I'm so ready. There is so much that happens in this episode that just like, like, I don't know, starts everything else. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it, Leah. Well, and also every time I get to, I mean, we've only done it once, but I feel like every time we're going to get to the end of the season, I can kind of breathe a sigh of relief because we can finally talk about everything and everyone else has kind of seen it with us and there's just a lot to talk about. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is I know we've said this like every single time, but once again, we have Cordelia and Buffy being um mirrored compared yeah. they're compared and also just knowing cordelia becomes a warrior yeah and i think it's just amazing to see this is the first episode that cordelia is actually a part of the gang that yeah. she's actually fighting alongside them and you see a little bit of that fierceness coming out of her the fact that she drove right through the library or right through the walls of the school she to the library the yeah she <laughs> bit the vampire she handled the trauma of seeing her boyfriend and several other yeah. guys all bloody and yeah. killed a lot better than Willow. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when I first thought about that, when you said that, Sarah, is I think about in the first episode of season two, where like Buffy's very much traumatized over her dying, which fair. Um, but also like Cordy's the one who talks to her two different times when she's going through something is like, hey, you need to deal with it. When yeah. like she handled it like a champ this episode, you know, like with her boyfriend dying. There's something about <laughs> you have so much eyeliner. That's why. That's what's in your eye, Leah. Oh, that's like, what I was wondering. She had like a little bit like on the corner of her, and I was like, "What is that?" She was oh. trying to practice her eyeliner, and she missed and then didn't clean it up. So she has raccoon eyes. <laughs> so okay. yeah, go take it off. No. Okay, you were saying. But Cordy went through a lot of trauma, and she handled it like a champ. And she was the one who had to talk to Buffy and was like, "Hey, like you need to deal with this type of thing." Yeah. Yeah. Cordelia is really strong, and I love that she's a layered character. I love mm-hmm. that she becomes more of a prominent character, um, and I love the glimpses of that that you see in this episode, and that it kind of feels like she's finally one of the gang. I mean, she's been one of the main cast this entire time, and she's not been in every episode. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple homages to um, – or like foreshadowing of uh, Willow's sexuality in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's one where it's like, oh, Willow's uh, – Willow's not looking to date you. And if she is, she's holding that really close to the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I like, know. I think I'd go gay if Xander Harris was the one who turned me down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> Leah just does not like I Xander. He gets better. Yes, he does. But the first three seasons, I just want to strangle him. So, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, there's once that he gets over the fact that Buffy's never going to be, then he becomes with him. decent. Yes. But that's not until like season four. Yeah. Is when you like finally it's get over. A, it's a long road. <laughs> yep. He has great moments though. Like in this episode, he yeah, had a good conversation with Angel. Um, it's just a slow process. Um, but there's also yep. that conversation with her and Cordy in the hallway where Cordy's like, Man, I don't why don't know why we put up with them. And she's like, I feel ya. <laughs> um, and then the whole nerds are in, they are still in, right? And the fact that by the time you get to season seven, Willow is really good with computers and mm-hmm. really good with magic and all that stuff. And nobody even cares that she was nerdy at all. In fact, it's an asset. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, I also noticed when uh, Angel is talking about like, you think I could stand it if you died? Like the first thing that popped into my head was Angel, the show, when Buffy dies. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, obviously he has to deal with it and he's gone for like three months. And, yeah, it's like, like three months. And I just like – the thought of that just kills me because here he's just so like – you can tell he just like physically is like, I don't know if I could deal with that. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the fact that he had to go through that at some point is just so sad. But even his response to that degree 
um, from them being exes just shows how much he really cared for her. Whereas like if they were dating and she died, it would have been so much worse. But even still, he still had to physically leave for three months to clear his mind and get over things when they were like yeah. a, cu- a couple years out from their relationship. Yeah. Well, the fact too that he even was telling Cordelia, he's like, I, I think I'm okay. I think I'm fine. And he was wrestling with that. Like, should I be more broken up over it? And she's like, no, Buffy wouldn't want you to be that way. Mm-hmm. And then that shows character development for Angel. The fact that he was able to move on with his life apart from Buffy's death and still try and save the world and not break down and completely crumble like he had in the past, yeah. you know, cause he, you know, lived in the sewers and fed on rats and stuff. And I think that if Buffy had died in season one, Angel would never, he would never have accepted his calling. Yep. Yeah. He well, would he, never become who he was supposed he also to be. Has he, seen, he had seen a ton of death before Buffy had died like yeah, up until fair. then. So he had kind of, he was able to cope with it a lot faster. You know, yeah, that's true. But I think it's kind of cool just to see Angel's own character development um, as yeah. time went on in the, his show and mm-hmm. on Buffy, and the fact that he decides to fight for what's right because it's the right thing to do, not simply because he wants to right. help Buffy. You know, like yeah. obviously that is a factor, but that's mm-hmm. not his main factor anymore. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Angel too, like when Xander is talking to Buffy and he's like trying to ask her out, and he says, "A guy's got to be undead to be with you," and I'm just like. Her, her only like two competing people in the show was two undead people, Spike and Angel. <laughs> Rip Riley, man. Nice, yeah, I mean, nice dude. I mean, like, Xander you know, definitely like that was uncalled for, hell, but yeah. he saw something. Yeah. He but also think, likes a little demon in his girl too. Yeah, so. I think it's more of just like I think we've talked about this before, but I don't think it's the fact that Buffy is like I want them to be undead, but I think it's like the fact of like they have something dark in them, and so does she. And they and understand so like, her life. And they understand her life and what she goes through. And I, so I think that's what always draws them to her is the fact that, mm-hmm. like, there is something that on a fundamental level they can relate to. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's something in them that recognizes and understands something in Buffy and vice versa. And therefore, they have a connection. Yeah. I also wanted to point out that – um the master has the same type of like creepy hold on her that Dracula does. And I think yeah, like, I noted season that too. four or five, mm-hmm. whenever he comes in, mm-hmm. um, it's the same type of thing. And I, so I think that it's just when they're older, they kind of have yeah. that special power. Well, she gets over the whole crawl thing with Dracula the same way she does with the master by recognizing her own power. Yep. Yeah. You know? And so she, she's, I think a little, I don't, I don't want to say that there, yeah, she's a little attracted to Dracula, attracted to his dark side. And I think that that's the part of her that, um, yeah, that's the part of her that's attracted to Dracula. And so once she recognizes and goes, Hey, like there's a darkness in me that I need to discover that I need to recognize, then she's able to take the power back and he doesn't have that thrall over her. Yeah. Um, I also noted that when Joyce is talking to her, um, and she's talking about like going to prom and stuff. And Buffy says, let's, let's go away. Like, let's, you know, um, run away or whatever. I just think of like, you know, when Angel dies and her first thought when things are just so intense, especially when it comes to death, either her death or her boyfriend's death, she just like wants to just get away. Like she, it's too yeah. much for her. Which to honestly, stay. I mean, mm. I don't blame her at all. Like I cannot even imagine what it's like every single Being day reminded waking of your trauma. Up, and like having to deal with something new every single day. And so it's like, of course you'd want to get away because then people don't know you're the slayer. People don't 
like have this responsibility on Mm -hmm. you and you can just be normal. Yeah. And we've, we see throughout the show, Buffy likes to run away from her problems when it's too painful. She wants to get away. She does it with Angel. She does it, um, you know, in season six, like pretty much all of season six, where she shuts everyone out. It's just really hard for her to open up when she's been through something painful. Like it takes her a while to process it. Um, and I think in this specific situation, she wants to get away from it because she's scared of it. And she's probably also trying to protect her mother. Yeah. yeah. I noticed something um, on this last rewatch. So when Willow tries to call Xander after he's been shut down by Buffy, she looks up at a picture, a framed picture on her desk. And it's a picture that we see throughout the entirety of the show. It's the one with Buffy, Xander, and Willow where they're all hugging and mm-hmm. and Xander or like Buffy's like towards the top and then there's Xander and Willow yeah, at the bottom. See that in Halloween. But it's folded over. So it's just Xander and Willow oh, in it. Uh-huh. So she folded it over and it's just them two. Mm. Isn't that nice. interesting? And I was I like, oh. Think, I don't think that's like a, like, oh, that's awful. I think it's literally just like she wanted a picture of like her and her, Xander as right. kind of like a, oh, he's my boyfriend type thing, mm-hmm. even though they don't have one like that. But mm. I think it's really cute that they took a picture of all three of them. And it seems like at least Willow and Buffy have that picture framed yeah. in their house. It's so yeah. cute. We see it a couple times in the Summer's house. Yeah. But I had never noticed that before. There's so yeah. many like little details mm-hmm. every time I watch the show. Even like the poster, you know? Yeah. We mentioned it in the last one, but you can kind of go into a little bit more detail here. But the fact that Willow has never really seen anybody die um, and just – how traumatized she is in the scene to the fact that she kills. Yeah. She ends up flaying somebody in season six. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yep. Her character just goes through a ton, to be honest. All of them do, man. They put all those characters to the ring. But I think the reason why Willow just kind of cracks is because she's just naturally more innocent and she hates feeling powerless. So she just cracks at one point and she's just like, I'm so tired of this. Like, I want to have some control. I want to gain some control back in my life. Yeah. Even what she says, it wasn't ours anymore. It was theirs. In that moment, she felt powerless. Yeah. And so I think it's like the very first beginning steps of her realizing if she is going to be able to protect herself and the one she loves, she needs power. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, also, shout out to Miss Calendar for being one of the only sensible voices of reason. I know. Right? In the room. because, like, <laughs> you don't have – Spike isn't in the show yet. Cordelia isn't in the scene. So they're like, right. who are we going to let talk the gang in two cents? And they're like, well, Miss Calendar's there. Let's have her do it. Yeah. And she's really sensible and level-headed and really good for Giles. She annoyed me so much the first time I watched the show. I don't know really? why. In the first episode, she does kind of come up come across as like a little bit of a know-it-all and so like when you first watch it, you're kind of like eh. but then like when she comes in later you like you're like oh actually she's really nice i kind of just have this weird first impression of her but then she just gets so good in the second season she should have they should give her she dies. more time i like i always forget that angelus is in the middle of season two i just always think that him and buffy have more of a foundation in the relationship before he turns into angelus and same thing with jenny i always think she's in longer than she actually is she's only in one season like one like collectively like one season middle of season one and then the middle of season two i'd also like to point out at the end you see buffy like before she turns around and they go to the prom you see her like staring at the bones and she's kind of like chilled out and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's foreshadowing to season two when she looks at the bones and she ends up breaking them 
and everything. Yeah. Well, and I just love that they knew there was a chance they might get renewed. So they're like, okay, well, let's wrap it all up. You know that oh, if it ends here, it'll end happily. Mm-hmm. But then they pan down to the master's bones, almost like a, hmm, this could, maybe he'll come back. Right. We don't know. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I crack up every time. When I think about um, Xander, when he's like, mind if I come in and walks right into Angel's house. And then you have the Zeppo where uh, – or no, it's not the Zeppo. Sorry. You have the um, – oh, I don't remember what it, the title of the episode is. It's the one where they're pretending that Angelus came back and Faith is there. And they walk past Xander and he mm-hmm. just like punches and knocks him out. A- Angel punches and knocks him out and goes, I just really hate that guy. Or I just really dislike that guy or something like that. I he really bugs me. I, well, I yeah, he just really bugs me. <laughs> I mentioned in the non-spoiler version, I was like, man, I was like, I really just want someone to sock him. And what I really mean is I can't wait till season three. <laughs> finally gets to hit And him. what kills me is he wasn't even Angela's. He just no, was he was Angel. Angel. And he's like, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to, but it's like Angels wouldn't do that. He would like play with him and he would like make sure he was tortured before he killed him. He wouldn't just right. like, walk by and just punch him and walk away. But like, Angel right. was like, this is my time to yep. shine. Yeah. <sighs> and he also knew that Xander would go and tell everybody and yeah, then, you smart. know, and I love how Xander's just like, oh, you punched me. It's Angelus. Like Angel it would never want to hit me. <laughs> off at you for any reason. <laughs> Yep. Um, so every time you say that, I was like, mm, that just reminds me of yep. Angel just punching him. Yep. Um, the conversation with Buffy and Giles where he's telling her not to go to the master, like he's going to take her place. We see the very first time it was mentioned in the first season, I just didn't pick it up, but it's like the tension between Buffy being the slayer and being the ultimate like truth or, and the ultimate person who has to, you know, authority. Yes. Thank you. Um, and Giles being like, I'm the watcher. I'm older, but they just, they clash a ton. And this is like one of the first times we really see that. Yeah, well, it's that like, yeah. who holds the power. And so it's like mm-hmm. that ultimate thing of like, yes, Giles, you may, you know, the knowledge or yeah, you may plan things. You may, you know, tell me how I should handle situations. But at the end of the day, I'm the one who carries things out. And we I will do see the that. dirty work. We will see that over and over and over again. Buffy with literally every single character in this show at some point has to like kind of question her. They will they'll question her, but she also has to kind of like assert herself and be like, I'm the one at the end of the day who calls the shots, whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not, I'm the one who calls the shots. And so it's up to me. Yeah. And it also is just growth on Buffy's part. You see her saying, no, Giles, like I'm the slayer. And he, he knows it, but he's wrestling with it in this sense, because he's like, I don't want you to die. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it shows her stepping into her role one more time because she's like, no, you have to listen to me. I'm the slayer. Mm hmm. Oh, I I was just going to mention the whole prophecy in this one about like a self-fulfilled prophecy. It just reminds me of like the prophecy about the father will kill the son in Angel. Oh, yeah. Um, Because it's the same thing. It's like someone put it in there so that it would become a prophecy so that it would eventually happen. Or they put it in there too. In Angel, they did it to trick him. In this one, it actually was a real prophecy, but it just was not clear. But it ended up coming true because mm-hmm. that was put out into the universe because that was written out and he thought it was an actual prophecy made it come true so it just kind of reminds me of just like 
this episode because it's like if she hadn't have gone and she hadn't heard that prophecy, it would have never happened, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, in that instance, the prophecy was written that Connor was going to kill that demon. The demon saw his name written and so then decided to write his own prophecy, whereas right. the father will kill the son, mm-hmm. which Wesley obviously saw and translated and tried to kill Connor, but it didn't happen because that was a false prophecy. And then what ended up actually happening was yeah. Connor killed that demon. Wesley didn't try to kill Connor, right? He just tried to take him away. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He did. He just tried to take him away. Gotcha. Because I was like, if that's the case, then I totally understand yeah, no. why he Angel was going to take really you're right. Wesley. <laughs> no, Wesley was going to take him and go uh, hide yeah, out with I him, thought. basically. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. And take care of him for Angel. But yeah. Ugh. Let's not speak of it. That is so hard to watch. I know. That's ugh, such a hard episode to watch. Should I apologize if you haven't seen Angel yet? Um, but yeah, you should there at least some watch hard it once. Things in Angel, man. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I thought was just kind of like sad was that this is the first time she dies, and she dies again in season five. Um, but when she wakes up this time alive, she says that she feels strong and she feels different. Whereas when she comes back in season six, she says she feels different, but she doesn't feel strong at all. She feels like a totally different person. Like she feels very defeated. And she's kind of sad to see like two different applications. She feels wrong is what mm-hmm. she says. She feels wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She doesn't like coming back from the dead. And it's just sad to see the difference between her dying in season one yeah. and dying in season well, I think five. it's I think it's sad, but it's also like it's really good because – that's why it's so impactful at the end of season seven. Major, the biggest spoilers ever at the ending of the, se- the show is just like she gets to live because she genuinely just didn't think there was anything to live for. She didn't think she could ever yeah. live a normal life. And that's why she didn't want to live because her life was not what she wanted it to be. And so it's like she gets that opportunity now, which is just like so perfect. Well, I just view it as like when she's younger – And she goes through crap. She literally goes through physical death and she comes back and she's like, I get a whole new life ahead of me now. And she has like this romanticized idea of what life is going to be like. She's like, I can control whatever I want. Yes, I can be the slayer, but I can also, I can mesh both worlds in together. And that's the thing too, is that by the time she dies the second time, she's realized that like, she's gone through things that the slayer has actually affected. So like her relationship with Angel or things like that, like- being the Slayer has affected her a lot more by the time she Well, she realizes life isn't as black and white as she thought it was. Yeah. I mean, that's what she says. She goes, I don't want to live in this world if these are the choices I have to make. You yeah. know? That's just if, what I was going to say. Like, the second time she dies, it's like she's gone through so much more than she did when she was 16. Yeah. And so it's just – she's exhausted. She's tired. She's like, this is this is hard to live. Yeah. Season one, she doesn't want to die. Season five, she welcomes it with open arms. And I think yeah. – Ah, the show, I mean, who would have thought that your main character was going to die in the first season? I mean, twice. super ballsy move, you know? Yeah. And then, because it sets it up for season five, because you're like, what the heck? Like, is she going to, she's going to die again? Like, um, one of my, my best friends is watching or watched Buffy for the first time over the summer. And um, when she was watching season five, she's like, I don't know who she's like, I feel like someone's going to die. I don't know who's going to die. She's like, I know it can't be Buffy because she's already died. And yeah, they just then, you know, sure enough, Buffy thing. ends up dying. Yeah. 
And she's like, whoa, what in the world? And then when we got to the season seven finale, she was like, I'm legitimately scared to watch this finale because she goes, I know that literally anyone could die. Mm -hmm. And that, not Mm -hmm. that like we should like always be fearing for our character's death, but the fact that no one is literally no one is safe in the show makes it such a compelling show to watch because you don't know what's going to happen. It's just such smart writing. And I love that literally what Joss set out to do, which was expect the unexpected or nothing is as it seems. They did that for all seven seasons. And I think killing off their heroine um, at the end of the first season was a super gutsy move Mm -hmm. and it paid off. Yeah, exactly. Well, guys, this has been fun. First season down, so much more goodness to go. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you know what's to come. And Mm -hmm. I can't wait to talk about it. And if there's anything that you guys want us to discuss in particular, any insights that you have, please email us. Please um, just PM us on Instagram, whatever. We love talking about Buffy to anybody and everyone. And thank you guys for listening to the Scooby Secret section because I think it's definitely like my favorite part of it. Because it's just like we get to talk openly and freely and – I don't know. It's just very, very exciting. Yeah. And thanks for listening. And we'll hopefully see you guys next season. 